Hi, I'm Wack. Hi, and I'm Pat. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Weekly Orbit. This week ending February the 9th is where we're going to squeeze in all the news and commentary of Rocket Pool of the last week in just 30 minutes, and we've got a lot to cover this week, uh, Wack. So I got to ask you, who is your biggest fan, Sylvia? You hinted at so, earlier this so, week. Is she so, and is she tuning in? That's what I want to know. Yeah, Sylvia is probably watching. So <laughs> hi, Sylvia. But um, she, I can't really say too much about her because she's she's my number one fan, and I don't think she really wants her information out there. But um, it was really heartwarming to learn about Sylvia being my number one fan this week. It, it actually made me smile a lot, and I shared the message of Sylvia being my number one fan with a few people, and just was like really touched about it. So that was that was a really nice thing that happened this week for me. Wow. Well, I hope that, you know, I get a mailbag, you know, I'll go through my mailbag and see if I have any like super fans and I'll share if I have any, but so far none. You're, you're <laughs> going to have super fans for your like hidden acting skills that we learned about this week. I think that's what oh, people really yeah. want to know about. You're, you're like superstar Hollywood actor now, <laughs> like what's going on there? Well, if there's A-listers and there's B-listers, I'm probably down at like W or Y or Z lister. <laughs> So yeah, for those wondering, yeah, I do, I do some acting on the side here and there, um, mostly, you know, commercial or, you know, background. Um, but there's a yeah. couple movies that are out that I am in, um, that's if you're right. wondering. Yeah. 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 One's called Puppet Man. It's, you can get it on <laughs> Shiver. It's a uh, horror flick. I'm the executioner, um, nice. of this prisoner. Yeah. Um, I remember when it was, uh, we were filming that in this it was in the middle of february and it was super cold like in the dressing room you could see your breath <laughs> and we were in this uh this this cell block and it was i remember it was just really cold um but the other movies did, coming out next oh go ahead sorry did you have a speaking part in as the executioner um i make all kinds of grunting noises because <laughs> okay. i get he i i put into this uh spell <laughs> it's because i'm about to inject him and uh, and he, he thinks he has his power because that's because he's a murderer, right? He thinks he mm. has his power, but it's actually his daughter who's got the power, and uh, she's witnessing the execution. So she has the power on me, and I'm like, mm, 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 and he's like, yeah, yeah, you think you're so tough, huh? And then all of a sudden, she lets it go, and I inject him. So just a bunch of grunt, grunting. <laughs> oh, what about in the other movie that's upcoming? Cabrini. So Cabrini's yeah. coming out in March. And that, that, that's actually a really big movie. Uh, it was a $40 million production. Hmm. And uh, I filmed about 13 scenes where I was background. So I was, uh, Cabrini is a um, Catholic nun in the late 1800s in New York City. And the story is about her um, and her trials and tribulations of being an Italian woman yeah. fighting the power structure in New York and helping out with the Italian immigrants, um, and creating an orphanage. So, uh, it's really, it was really fun because the, the costumes and the production sets were incredible. And I was, um, a wealthy American, a doctor, um, a newsman at the New York times and a Italian senator. So I got to play a whole bunch of roles. Nice. So I'm just in the background, basically, folks, if you stop the movie and you squint, you'll be able to see the side of my head, you know, that type of thing. But nice. it's, it's really, it's really fun stuff. Um, Wonderful. Okay, well, yeah. take me as your plus one to the premiere in, in LA when it happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. 
So uh, onto the Rockapool stuff, we've got a lot to cover. So we've been hinting at um, some big topics over the last uh, month, and we're going to touch on, going to go into a little depth on them this week. We're going we're to not do our usual stats because we got a lot. Of, we don't have much time to get through all this. So we want to go over the Rapid Research Incubation uh, Awards that were handed out by the uh, uh, GMC. <clears throat> And pardon me, as we can see here, whack, we've got Valdorf came in with a score of 3.87 for bond curves. Then Seamus came in at with his uh, their proposal of 3.6, and it's called diverted rewards. And then Epinef came in at 3.6 for universal variable commissions. We're going to cover those top three. Um, and then as you can see, we had quite a few submissions, which is really good to see. This goes, how many do we have here? About what, 22? 22. 22. Yep. Yeah. So Ep Epinef the, had seven of those, I think, or eight of those, but 22 okay. submissions, which is really cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. There's a lot of brain power that went into this. I'm, I'm really impressed. And that's why I want to talk about it with you, Wack, because some of this stuff gets into some weeds and we need to break it down for our, our listeners. So you did that um, on your Reddit. You posted a uh, summary of the uh, results. Do we yeah. want, you want to talk about your uh, Reddit post here? Yeah. So what I've been doing on Reddit, like ETH Finance is like one of the best communities on Reddit for Ethereum as a whole. And they have a love-hate relationship with Rocket Pool because we're kind of like zealous and <clears throat> because just who we are. And obviously, I think a bunch of people kind of got in around Atlas and they're kind of salty that the price has gone down since then. So there's like a little bit of FUD, a little bit of negativity. So I like to go in there. And I've been a member of ETH Finance for a really long time, like since 2019, I want to say 2020. Um, but I was like lurking even before ETH Finance existed when there was still ETH Trader in like 2017 and 2018. Um, so ETH Finance is a really cool community. But like I said, you know, some of the, there was a bit saltiness about Rocket Pool. So what I like to go, what I like to do is I like to go in there and whenever there's like an update about Rocket Pool, I like to share it with the community there. And they're really like really well responsive to like the things that I have to say and like people kind of like respect what I say and you know I get into like positive discussions with people and stuff as well so like I really like I love that community it's wonderful um so you know every once in a while I go there and I like tell them what latest news Rocky Pool is and with this rapid research incubation result uh, that was one of those times when i went there and i told them that hey look um, we've got the results of this out this is the the prizes that people were given out and this is the research for which they got the prizes so you know um i just said that you know we had 22 submissions in total and these are the top ones and then i talked about val's bonding system and um Samus's uh, ETH only validators, pretty much, and then EPNF's Universal Variable Commission, and then there's some others as well about um, ETH only validators and like how that's going to work. And then I kind of uh, ended the post by saying, you know, the next step is kind of putting these together into a cohesive um, tokenomics plan and kind of seeing which which ones work, which ones don't work, and kind of gathering them up and putting them together and and you know making the case to the community that this is what the the next set of tokenomics should look like. And I said that, you know, the the with this tokenomics, you know, I like to throw a little bit of hype at the end. I said with these tokenomics, you know, the scope of growth for Rocket Pool will be absolutely like astronomical. And 
uh, I was talking about how the balance of like node power, sorry, node operator, um, lack of node operators like we are right now will shift a lot to then needing to like massively promote our ETH uh, because there'll be so much space for, for our ETH to, to mint our ETH. Um, and then I kind of like tease the finish by saying, I'll bring some news about rocket pool and eigenlayer integration, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Um, but that was kind of like the gist of the post. And then, you know, um, there were like little snippets of summaries of, of the, of the winners, the big prizes. Uh, but um, I guess we yeah. can spend a little bit of time looking at those a little bit more closely. Sure. Now, before yeah. we start, are these, this is kind of a high level question. Are we, is the community, are we going to pick one of these? Are we going to pick, could we combine a couple or it, it, does it depend? No, I think it's definitely going to be a case that, you know, we're going to be combining a few, even some of the ones that didn't win the big prizes, or there might even be some new ideas that we haven't, you know, come across yet that might end up going into like the new tokenomics. What will happen is like, uh, you know, the ones that we're going to be talking about right now, they're addressing like different issues. So one of them is uh, Val's, you know, the one that he won the number one prize mm -hmm. for is addressing the issue of sub sublinear bonding, right? And then mm -hmm. with others, it's it's addressing the issue of RPL collateral. With the other one, it's addressing like, you know, incentivizing our ETH minting and stuff like that. So what will, what will likely happen is that people will like go away and put together like a vision of what they think the tokenomics will be like, like a full cohesive image. And what the, what they'll do is probably that they'll pick and choose pieces from different people's uh, proposals. And with the, with that information, they'll come up with like kind of one cohesive idea and then they'll share their vision with the community. And then the community will be like, yeah, we really like this aspect of like wax suggestions and we really like this aspect of pat suggestions and then we'll kind of work on tweaking them before putting mm -hmm. it to a vote for the community to for it to be like um what happens in in, in saturn of course one thing that we have to keep in mind as well is like what is the team actually capable of coding because the more complicated the update is then the harder it will be to to code it to make it happen so it might be that then that might potentially i don't know for sure of course i'm just speculating here it might be that you know we don't get everything at once it might be that that's broken up into further updates like you know we'll get a and b now but c and d might come six months down the line just to hmm. make it a manageable upgrade for the team but that i don't know sure. how that's going to work out yet gotcha okay so yeah. the first uh one we're going to cover is val bond, hmm. bonding curve he, yeah. he's got some charts um, and the, you know, the concern I think going into it is what is the lowest someone could bring in terms of uh, a mini pool without yeah. posing a risk to, uh, our ETH and the rest of our rocket pool, how yeah. low can we lower that? And so, um, that, that's what these charts are really showing. If we go down here to the, um, his suggested numbers. Okay. So. He's, he outlines like three different scenarios. One, he labels aggressive. And this would be where your first mini pool is an LEB six. And thereafter you can do LEB 1.5s because that means mm -hmm. you could have only six ETH to start and then just 1.5 ETH after that to open up additional mini pools. Um, the second is he calls it the alt, uh, alternative aggressive, which is the first two mini pools are LEB fours. And thereafter, LEB 1.5s. Okay. And then the last one is a, a called a, a bit safer. The first six mini pools must be LEB 4s. And then after that, you could allow LEB 2s. And mm -hmm. 
he provides a return on investment versus solo staking. And this is a, so what we're looking at here, if you're watching, is on the left-hand side, there's a chart showing the um, return on investment in units of solo APR. And if you look at even the safest one, um, we're looking at a, um, you know, depending on how many mining pools you have, you could have at least, you know, 2.75 uh, times the solo APR. Whereas if we went aggressive, you know, you're looking at potentially three and a half times the return a, as a solo validator. So that's pretty awesome in terms of, uh, your return. Um, and this, yeah. of course I kind of skimmed over, but Val did the analysis of like, what's the worst case scenarios of risk. And basically th these three, mitigate that risk to a point where it's acceptable. If there was some, you know, node operator who was acting maliciously or there was abandonment, you know, the person died and their node op node just started leaking out. So he's to run all the numbers and this is what he's come up with. Any thoughts? Yeah. The big, the big worry is MEV theft, right? So, um, that that's the key concern and eight ETH seems to be like a really good number to mitigate MEV theft, which is why we have, LEB eights right now. So what mm -hmm. Val is suggesting is, you know, if we get forced exits, we can actually go a little bit further. And mm -hmm. what we can do is go down to your first validator being an LEB six or potentially even an LEB four. And I think like LEB four with forced mm -hmm. exits is is a good spot because even the conservative standard that he has it starts at one LEB four to begin with. So that already will you know, open up rocket pool to a whole bunch of other people. Now going further than that though, because it's going to be node level collateral and not validator level collateral like we have now, it means that if a person misbehaves on any of their validators all of their validators can be punished to like regain the the cost that they've incurred on the protocol. Now, eight, eight ETH is that magic number, right? Because that's the that's like kind of the sweet spot there. So with Val kind of crunching those numbers, he thinks like you know the first one can be a six, and after that you can have one point fives, or the first one can be a four, and then after that you can have sorry the first two can be fours to, that'll get you to eight, and after that you can have one point fives. I think there'll always be some collateral and i think 1.5 is kind of like the the sweet spot number there that would be like as low as you can go basically per per validator now after that it, it it's just it makes it this like when you start to think about what the outcome of this will be it's truly mind-boggling and let me just give you an example right so if if you run four validators leb8s and you've got 32 eth now with that 32 ETH, what you're doing is you're allowing the minting of um, 196 no, more R ETH because each validator brings 24, right? So sorry, 72 R ETH. So that's, that's no, there's four validators. So it's 96 R ETH. Sorry, I'm doing math on the fly. However, with, so that's really good. Like that's a really good, like efficiency. Like, you know, it's a lot better than the validator 16s that we used to have before. But with this one, if you have 32 ETH, your first one will be a six. And after that, you've got 1.5s. That means you can run, let me think, um, 20, about 10 validators instead of, instead of two validators that you, or four validators that you have now, there's actually more than that, about 15 validators. So the amount of ETH that you'll bring, be bringing to Rocket Pool is over like 250 ETH. Like the numbers are just amazing about how much scaling this will allow. Um, 
And this is like, you know, within the, the limits of what's easily capable by the protocol now with forced exits. So one of the reasons why this won the prize is because Val's really showing that the profitability of having 32 ETH staked, right, like under this system will be like three times higher potentially than uh, solo staking, which, and the key number that we really want to beat is Lido's, you know, community uh, staking module, the, their CSM number, which is going to be around 1.6 times, um, 1.6 times solo staking. So that's, that's the number we have to beat basically. So what happens then is, um, you know, right now we have a commission of 14%. So it most likely will be that the commission gets tweaked down. So, you know, the rocket pool node operator is like, you know, 1.7 times, 1.8 times more profitable than solo staking, you know, which is nearly double, but then the commission goes down as well. So this is what I mean. Like, you know, there'll be tweakings that happen, um, but this is like extremely exciting and, you know, Val totally deserved first prize for this. So in this, in this proposal, uh, let's talk about, you still have to use RPL as collateral, correct? Yeah, in this proposal, you'll still be using RPL. Actually, I don't think it's mentioned in this in this proposal about the RPL collateral. Like, it's just it's a certain side here. This is just about ETH and ETH returns right. only. Yeah, right. So you still have to put up at least ten percent. So if you had you put up uh, an LEB four, you'd still have to do have to make sure like you have two point eight ETH of RPL. But that's if nothing else changed. We only had this, correct. and everything else stayed the same, which it's not going to. <laughs> right. Correct. Yeah. So let's because move on Seamus to our second here. one. Yeah. Yeah, Seamus. Yeah. It's Seamus. Seamus. That's a good Irish name. It's Seamus, Seamus yeah. not Seamus. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Being an Irish guy myself. Seamus. Um, okay. Yeah, so Seamus, his, uh, him, he, they, I should say, you don't know. Yeah. Um, so he talks about commission cut proposal. Um, and the summary is that, this idea introduces ETH-only mini pools, which is a big interest for many, where a portion of the rewards are diverted to RPL staked mini pools. Um, so as an example here, uh, you start off by offering new, operator, new op node operators the same product as Lido CSM, which is a four ETH bond and 7.5% commission on the other 28 ETH. For an RETH holder, the commission could re remain at 14%, leaving 6.5% on the 28 ETH per mini pool to be diverted to RPL stake mini pools. So I think the summary here, WAC, is, hey, if you don't want to put up RPL, you don't have to. However, if you do, you're going to get more rewards. You're going to get part of that commission. And I guess if you have lots of people doing ETH only, mm -hmm. then that means you're going to have, it's going to be really profitable to run an RPL collateralized node. On yep. the other hand, if not many people do ETH only, that means that there's not, it's going to be like this nice balance, right? Is market mm -hmm. forces determine, you know, what does the market want? Does it want just ETH only mini pools? If that's the case, you're going to post our RPL, you're going to get really handsomely rewarded. Is that, is yep. that a good summary? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and again, like, you know, the, the commission rate here is really interesting because um, when you put this against Val's proposal, like that came in first place that we just talked about, you know, the the tweaking of the commission will be really interesting to see how that works out. And then this brings up other questions as well about actual RPL inflation. So there's been other ideas that, you know, you reduce the inflation of the token itself. So that gives more values to people who are just holding RPL because at the moment they're being diluted by 5% a year. 
um, and then by reducing the the inflation, then you'll start getting ETH only rewards as an RPL node operator instead of um, RPL rewards. So that might be more attractive to some people. Um, mm-hmm. However, there might still be some inflation, and you might still get RPL rewards and boosted ETH rewards. We still we don't know how that's going to look exactly yet. But this is this is a really interesting suggestion. A whole bunch of people suggested different um, methodologies of coming up with ETH only validators. Mm-hmm. where you don't need to put any bond for RPL. And then there's a common question, right? Like if you have a validator that doesn't require RPL, isn't that going to impact the price of the RPL token and make it less less attractive? But the idea, the counter to that is like the the potential growth of, RP, of Rocket Pool will be so substantial that like the RPL, people who want to stake RPL, their value will increase a lot more Um and the protocols as a whole value will increase. So those people will still be getting value and RPL token will still be getting value. Uh, hopefully, you know, just as much as it is now in terms of rewards, but potentially even more in some situations, like you were saying, depending on how things balance out. So mm-hmm. that's going to be something really interesting to keep an eye on as well. And I really think that, you know, these two proposals are definitely going to find it into Saturn in one way or another. So we will definitely... I'm like 99.9% sure that we'll have sublinear bonding that Val suggested. And then I'm pretty sure that we'll have some kind of um, ETH-only validator, but I'm not exactly sure, as sure as I am about the sublinear bonding. So something just occurred to me is, does this, does this, Seamus's proposal, is it a direct competitor to NodeSet? You know, where your NodeSet's kind of a similar thing. Hey, you don't want to post RPL? You don't have to. If you just... So you can use NodeSat. Does this compete directly with NodeSat? I think NodeSat would also have this aspect where people just don't want to stake themselves and they still want to get boosted rewards. So it will be boosting the boosted rewards from NodeSat. So NodeSat's model, as far as I know, like I haven't seen the full final breakdown of what it's going to look like, is like you will deposit your ETH into NodeSet and then you'll yeah. get a full staking rewards. You won't be paying any fees for that. So, you know, like with Lido, you pay 10%. With right. uh, Rocket Pool, you pay 14%. Like, you know, you won't be paying any fees for that. So you'll be getting the full staking reward. And the way NodeSet node operators will make the money is by taking the collateral percentage of the reward percentage off the top of that boosted reward. So for them, it'll still be higher rewards than just minting our ETH even more yeah, so. Yeah, and I guess it's a different yeah. market they're going after. Mm-hmm. They're going after someone who wants a liquid staking token, whereas yep. this is stating, this is marketing towards node operators. Node. Like you want to run your own your own rig, it's, you want to do it exactly. yourself. So yeah. we got two different cohorts of people. Yeah. Great. All right, and the third one we're going to talk about is um, Universal Variable Commission by FNF. Yeah. Do you want to walk us through this one? Yeah, so the the you know the TLDR version of this is that right now we have a full deposit pool and that deposit pool is not earning any rewards, so it's a drag on the APR. So the way that um, <clears throat> this proposal kind of like addresses that is by um, tweaking the commission rate as a universal variable commission. So it will always be like changing month by month depending on what the the state of the stake is, if that makes sense. So if the val- if the deposit pool is full, what we'll start doing is uh, charging more commission of our ETH holders, and then that will bring more node operators online to try to like get that extra reward, right? However, if mm-hmm. the deposit pool is empty, 
uh, then we can reduce the commission on our ETH because then node operators, you know, they don't need to be incentivized as much because we've got too many node operators. So this will be then kind of like tweaking those numbers, um, like um, month by month or like, you know, week by week. I'm not exactly sure how frequently you'll be doing it. We don't know that yet, but you know, and EpinF here gave a few ranges, like, you know, maybe commission could go down to zero or all the way up to 30% or maybe 5% to 20% or 10% to 18%, you know, whatever we kind of want to target as, as a value and um, depending on what the protocol wants. So uh, the idea is really cool. Like a lot of people are really interested in this. They really think that it's going to help that kind of balance the protocol. But uh, the numbers again are something that we, um, that we need to uh, decide on and like the frequency and all that kind of stuff. So we had, when Rocketpool first launched, we did have kind of a dynamic commission system. We went from anywhere from 5% to 20%. So yeah. is this similar to that? No. So there's one fundamental difference in this. For that one, what had happened is you were locked in at that commission rate when you set up your validator for the life of the validator. So a whole bunch of people started gaming the system and they'd only spin up validators when there was 20% commission available. So, you know, you'd see this happen quite often. Is like people would wait for those higher commission levels and then do a burst of validators. The commission would come down. Then they'd wait for the commission to go up again. Then they'd do a burst of validators. So people were kind of gaming the system there. Um, with with this one, what would happen is everybody would get the same RETH rewards. So there wouldn't necessarily be a gaming aspect to it because your rewards would go up and down based on what the dynamics of the protocol was. So it, it, it'd be it, adjusted it, monthly, right? I, I think that's what According that's what Epinef was here saying was that it would be adjusted monthly. But that, of course, can be changed. It can be weekly. It could be. I don't think daily, but maybe weekly, maybe monthly, maybe bi-monthly. Like we, we don't know yet. We can figure out how that would work on the smart contract side. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, these are all just fabulous um, proposals. All yeah. of them bring really good, great strengths. Combining some of them, or you know, there's there's several others we haven't covered, but mm -hmm. it it really is exciting to think about. Um, the changes that Rockapool will see, hopefully, you know, the, now let's talk about timeframes. Um, these would be going into perhaps with the first uh, version of Saturn. No, Saturn 2. Saturn 2. So we're looking yeah, at next year. We're looking at, in the best case scenario, like the end of this year, more likely scenario. And this is just for me, like speculation. I think it'd be quarter one, 2025. And the reason for that is because we'd need forced exits on the Ethereum level to be able to do this. That's going to go into the Petra upgrade. And the best case scenario for Petra upgrade is Q4 of this year. So it all depends on what happens with Petra. If Petra gets bigger on the Ethereum side, it'll take longer to do, which means Saturn 2 will, will take longer to come through. So, so Saturn 1... Do we need... Sorry. Do we need... So that's EIP 7002, I think, is mm -hmm. uh, for right? That's right. Now, there's talk about, like, signed... You can sign... You know, when you sign up for that, you can sign a message saying, I, I'm willing to be forced exited. Mm -hmm. Is that is that a kind of a temporary fix that could be used, or does it have to be yes. EIP 7002? Yes, that can be a temporary fix that can be used. However, it adds massive centralizing force to the protocol because it's very, very, very difficult. I don't think it's a solved problem at the moment to do it in a decentralized way. So notes, I think from my understanding is they'll be doing it in a centralized way. Stata have a system of forced exits at the moment for their, like, you know, four ETH validators, but 
as far as I know, that's in a centralized way as well. They've not they've not even released the information of what they're doing about storing their forced exit, their forced exit messages. So that then, you know, we we're Rocket Pool's trying to work to increase decentralization. We're not trying to introduce new centralizing forces to the protocol. So that's one of those issues that, you know, if if we do get forced exits earlier in a in a you know permissionless decentralized way that's that works, then you know we as a community will definitely jump on that. However, uh, I don't think you know Rocket Pool really wants to incorporate those centralizing forces when we're working so hard on removing them from the protocol as it stands. Okay. Well Stay tuned. Um, so we're at 28 minutes and we're just getting on now to the, the next big topic. Uh, and this is Jasper's, uh, he made a, a big splash uh, yesterday with his hybrid theory, Rocket Pool's middle way between native liquid restaking and pure staking. And of course he's talking about a Rocket Pool eigenlayer integration. And he, he's got a long um, medium I'm sorry, mirror, a post on mirror where he goes into all the details of his uh, proposal. He also did a Twitter uh, thread, which uh, perhaps we'll use this to kind of highlight some of the, the major components of uh, what he's proposing. So um, given that we're a little short on time and I wish we had more, let's uh, just do, what's a TLDR of what Jasper's proposing here? The basic idea is that um Rocket Pool has a whole army of node operators. Like, you know, we've got 2,500-ish node operators, 3,500 nodes on Rocket Pool. Um, and using those node operators to uh, also run Eigenlayer services would be in the best interest of Rocket Pool and Eigenlayer because they would basically help each other. So Rocket Pool would help Eigenlayer grow. Eigenlayer, you know, people would want to be Eigenlayer node operators, so they'll come to Rocket Pool to do that, which would help Rocket Pool grow. So the idea Jasper has is basically, um, you know, you could marry these two protocols in a sense, and in that marriage, then you can really uh, grow massively. Like you can, you know, help both uh, Eigenlayer scale like to huge levels that they can't even really i think imagine right now and also potentially like boost rocket pool like into hyperdrive so that's kind of like a very 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 high level kind of idea of what's happening here and then as you get closer and closer to the details you'll see that you know there's there's a lot of complexities here and like the kind of services that would be running and how uh, like how bonding would work and how um who would get claims on certain kinds of um you know the collateral levels and all of that kind of stuff so right. there's a whole lot of details here but uh jasper's tweet thread here like i'm gonna go through the the mirror article and the tweet thread on thursday's episode like today's the when we're recording it today's episode of rocket fuel so right. you know that's a little bit outside the scope i think of of the uh, weekly orbit here but um I'll go through the full full um, post, like, you know, spend a lot of time going through it and kind of explaining it to my audience about what's actually happening here. And then uh, what we can, then, you know, we'll, everybody will know kind of what Jasper's pre presenting here and like what his ideas are. But overall, like, you know, this is a really, um, a really interesting uh, suggestion. However, it's not one without controversy. So sure. uh, maybe we can talk about yeah. that. Yep. So essentially, um, if you sign up as a node operator for Rocket Pool, you could have the choice of also um, providing services for Eigenlayer at mm -hmm. a additional risk, but also an additional reward. So you can want to yep. boost your yield. You can opt into that. 
So the, the objection, uh, let's talk about some of the controversy. I, I don't know if it's controversy. I would just say it's some pushback. Um, Valdorf kind of uh, in response to um, Jasper highlights risk, um, talks about uh, you got some maintenance risk, cascade risks, you got um, uh, brand risk, and then rewards. You know, there's there's so much money or so much ETH piled into Eigenlayer right now. Some have questioned about, well, how much actual yield are you going to get? And they go into some of the, the details here. Yep. So he says the TLDRs, there are better risk reward plays available to Rockapool to increase node operator APY and make Rockapool stronger. And he has a link to his um, couple of his, uh, bond, you know, his bonding curve and yep. um, another another proposal he had. Yep. So to be continued, we're going to get into this more. Um, well, if you scroll down just a tiny a bit, whole, if you scroll down just a tiny bit, Jasper responds and he says, uh, "Will no, you've gone too far." Jasper's first response. Scroll back. Yeah, he says mm-hmm. we'll respond probably tomorrow. But I just want to say that Toe Economics research is much, much bigger than Eigenlayer, and that's why you know we've spent twenty-five minutes talk well twenty minutes talking about the Toe Economics stuff because the impact the Toe Economics work will have on Rocket Pool is potentially like you know astronomical, like huge, gargantuan. Yeah, that's um, I agree. And then Eigenlayer still has a lot of question marks around it, so that's why even Jasper's you know acknowledging that the the potential here is definitely like the tokenomics work that is going to be really exciting so um that's that's one thing yeah. to keep an eye on yeah yeah and of course don't forget about node set you know node set that's another thing where you can opt in as a node operator hey mm-hmm. i want to provide services for node set get some additional yield kind of a similar thing that Jasper's and proposing it here it looks like it looks like the node set boost to the node operator um APY or APR, or I don't, I never know which one it is, but the rewards that will offer potentially could be bigger than the the Eigenlayer rewards. As as Val was crunching numbers here, like um, I saw Nick S, you know, who's who's part of the Node Set team, he was saying yesterday that you know you could come to uh, Rocket Pool with one validator, that's eight LEB, uh, eight you know eight ETH validator, and then Node Set could potentially give you up to twenty validators on top of that. So you know if you have one eight ETH validator, you're getting like X rewards. But if you add in the rewards of all the others, you can get multiples of that X, like two X potentially, or like maybe even more uh, rewards for for your thing. So as as an right. APY percentage, like you know Eigenlayer probably isn't going to be offering those kind of like amazing returns that um, that Node Set will be able to, especially for the very right. small node operators. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. And then finally, um, there is a RPIP thirty-eight, mm. which patches is posted here. Um, this is about you know should do you think the PDAO um, should appeal the decision by the GMC to gr- uh, for the grant into the Eigenlayer research? And right now, um, out of the forty voters, it's sixty percent. I support PDAO voting on it. And 40% says, I do not support. So with, um, it's a little confusing. I had to read it twice. Uh, yeah. So basically what it's saying is if you said, I vote for a PDAO vote, what you're saying is I want to have a vote. Uh, the GMC has already approved this research. We're not approving anything about Eigenlayer. We're just saying, hey, here's some money to do some research into Eigenlayer integration. Do you want to challenge that GMC vote? That's if you said yes. And if you say, no, you know what? I like the GMC let them do what they're doing. They've already proved it. Let's see what the research provides. 
that's a, that's a no vote. So right now, um, you know, majority of people here are saying, no, I want the PDAO to kind of appeal this. So I guess what that shows, um, just as a kind of a snapshot high level, is that there is some concern amongst the community um, regarding Eigenlayer. Would that be correct? Yeah, I think so. I think that people are kind of divided. So this vote was always going to happen. Like even with the GMC awarding the the bounty, you know, we said that after milestone zero, which is the research phase, then we would open it up to the PDAO. Whereas this challenge from patches is just bringing that earlier to see if we even want to spend $10,000 on the research at all. And the people who have voted here uh, who said, I do not support moving to a PDAO vote, those people you know, want the research to happen. However, the people who do support a PDAO vote, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want the research to happen. It just means that they want the, the PDAO to be involved in the decision-making process from the beginning. So gotcha. it depends on you know where that line comes down. I don't think you can necessarily extrapolate this into a vote for this RPIP uh, right. and saying that, you know, this this was happening. But the RPIP uh, su- suggests that there'll be two votes potentially. So there'll be one vote, you know, should the GMC fund this? And if that is yes, then that will trigger a second vote. If it's no, then that will just remove the bounty completely. Now, the second vote then will be, do you want the GMC to fund this only for milestone zero which is the research phase or do you want the gmc to fund it for you know the whole the whole bounty and then that will bring up its own issues so um yeah this is going to be like a slightly drawn out process but it's where we are right now and you know what the the, at this stage you know with this vote the what you're checking for is promising sentiment now that's kind of an ambiguous term really but the idea is that as long as you know 20 30 percent of people who respond responded that way then that's promising enough sentiment for it to go to a vote so this is definitely you know strong sentiment to go to a vote so it's likely we'll be seeing a vote on this in the coming days it looks like uh rpip 38 you know will will go to a snapshot vote within the next week i presume and then that'll run for two weeks uh, and then we'll know where we stand with with that whole thing yeah so okay we've covered quite a bit today uh let's talk about our wins for the week and we'll end it um, my win, it's kind of on a personal note. I am, I've, I've alluded to this before. I have slowly, uh, transitioned from having my mini pools at all nodes to my own, um, at home, uh, Proteus, uh, node. I am now a, and that, that has now completed. It is done. It took months and months of me just dragging my feet and, slowly getting through it, but I am now a full-fledged uh, rocket pool node operator at home with Wonderful. nothing left on all nodes. It's been a slow transition, but that is my win. I feel I, I'm, not, I'm kind of a normie for you folks out there. Um, I had an interest in computers when I was a kid back in the early 90s, and then I kind of dropped it for other things in life. Um, a lot <laughs> of you people have pursued that as a career or as a hobby or interest. I have not. So some of this was intimidating for me. <clears throat> um, but I, I feel a sense of re- relief and confidence, and I feel great about it. So um, to those who I've reached out to for technical assistance over the months, I, I say thank you. And so that's my win. What's yours? My win is that today, just a few minutes before the time of recording, we got the announcement of the Denkun update on the Ethereum. Now, that will be taking place on March 13th. The reason why that's my win is because um, that is going to have an eip in there the you know the blob stuff is great i love that but the one that i'm really excited about is the beacon state route 
uh, EIP, and that will allow the consensus um, layer and the execution layer to uh, communicate with each other. And that's going to open up some really cool things for Rocket Pool. Like it'll help us remove some ODAO duties probably. But one of the main things that will help is for Node set to work. Um, and yeah. that is what I'm really excited about. So this is just, you know, the next step on the path now to Houston and, and Node sets launch. So working from the then Kuhn dates, it seems like, you know, that's going to happen on March 13th if everything goes well. I think Houston will probably come about maybe a few weeks, potentially a month after that. So sometime, you know, at the end of March, middle of April. And then I think we'll get um, we'll get a um, note set going live about a month, maybe six weeks after that as well. So maybe sometime end of April or sometime in May, most likely. Of course, that's when there's also the Ethereum ETF potentially getting approved. So I'm just really bullish for this whole period. I think, you know, the next few months, if everything go goes well, is going to be an extremely exciting time for Rocket Pool and for Ethereum. And I'm totally here for it. And I'm I'm hyping myself up already. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works nicely. Don't forget the Bitcoin halving is coming up in April as well. Oh yeah, who, right? I don't care Some about more Bitcoin. Like, that, that's like whatever, <laughs> well, like no. pet rock. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course, you know that that that'll be a nice catalyst yeah. as well. You know, for the crypto space as a whole. But um, all of yeah. all of that stuff, like it's, it, it paints for a really bullish few weeks, a few months. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm does. really excited. Yeah. Well, thanks for watching and listening and being part of the Rocket Pool community. Um, until next week, we'll uh, we'll see you then, and we'll see you back. Bye bye. Yes. See you. Bye.